podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show Week 6 Preview coming your way. Ben Isaacs in the house to get you set for the showdown at Spurs. Oh, come on. We just love having football back. And hey, as we've mentioned before, it could be a really entertaining game, even if the Dolphins and the Jags, how do we put it diplomatically, struggling just a little bit. But maybe this is the kickstart to the season the Finns need in particular. Uh, we'll talk John Gruden. That story has absolutely raced on, hasn't it? Gruden out of the Raiders. What next for Vegas? What next for Gruden as well? Disgraced. And then some. We'll talk about the game of the weekend. No doubt about it. The Chargers Ravens. We'll look at the Bears Packers too. We might even sneak in some Tennessee Buffalo chat too. Don't forget, if we don't get in to a game you are looking out for this weekend on this show, Edge Rush with me and Propo dropping later in the week will mop up quite a few of the other games as well. So between this show and that, we should have you covered. So let's get straight down to business and check in with the brilliant. Ben Isaacs. Ben Isaacs in the house. How are you, bud? Good. I'm. I, it's always that that period between uh, games in London mm. where it just feels like it is everything is happening. You feel like the center of the NFL universe, except that John Gruden is now. Well, but indeed. briefly, it felt like we were the center of the NFL universe. As usual, week. Gruden steals your thunder, Ben Isaacs. My <laughs> yeah. My favorite headline uh, during all this. Uh, pretty unsavory John Gruden saga uh, was unsurprisingly on Fox News, uh, which was Gruden gone while rappers and Watson continue to represent the NFL. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, there was a lot of on social media, a lot of what aboutery. Mm. And, you know, let's let's be apps. Let's be absolutely clear that, you know, Deshaun Watson is going through a process right now. Nobody has said, oh, Deshaun Watson, you're fine. Deshaun Watson is clearly not fine in mm. terms of his NFL career. It is not fine. And there is a process going on and there will no doubt be consequences at the end of that with the Gruden thing. The process has happened. The process has happened and there are, there are consequences for your action. I cannot make mm. that clear enough. There are consequences for your actions. And John Gruden has found out the hard way. Yeah. So this all broke, of course, very quickly. Uh, I think it was about this time last week that uh, things started to emerge and Gruden tried to weather the storm, of course, and uh, downplayed an email from around 10 years ago where he used some pretty, uh, pretty questionable language uh, in relation to Demora Smith, the uh, NFL PA chief. Uh, and then it got worse. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Times reported further emails that were racist, homophobic, misogynistic. I mean, it was a, a full house of uh, unpleasant sentiment from from Gruden. Uh, so Gruden had no option but to to walk away. What happens next for him? There's presumably no way back for him uh, as a coach, as a, as a broadcaster. Because we know, of course, uh, the NFL is... Uh, rather, they, America is um, uh, a country of second chances, loves a redemption story, but there is a limit, I guess. And Gruden overstepped the line. Is there no way back for him now as a public figure, do you think? I, I cannot imagine. I mean, he had one of the top 
TV gigs as an ESPN analyst. He had it. It was so, it was so cushy. The only thing that could have ever taken him away from that is if he wanted to become an NFL head coach again, which he did. Those are the two things he enjoys the most. And the let, let's say this for the Raiders, right? The Raiders as an organization have been trailblazers. They hired sure. the first black head coach mm-hmm. in the NFL. They have employed women in senior positions in in the team. They have an openly gay player. If any if any organization can be described as a trailblazer in this regard, it's the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's particularly embarrassing for the Raiders that this is this has happened in effect kind of while while he's their coach even though it happened when he wasn't their coach because of those because of those things the NFL is trying to be as inclusive as possible we're seeing more women take senior positions at organizations across across the country we're seeing we're seeing an openly gay player and it'll be the it'll be the first of maybe not many openly gay players but there will be more he's he's opened the doors for them the NFL if and and broadcasters who work with the NFL, if they give him a platform or give him a job, what message does that send to those people? Those people will feel, well, well, we're not we're not an important part of the NFL's future. That women don't have any place in the NFL, and gay players don't have any place in the NFL. And sure, there are going to be people who agree with that, whether they'll tell you or not. There will be people who agree with that. I don't think anyone connected to the nfl will give him a platform there are other broadcasters who don't have relationships with the nfl who maybe will do that but if you show nfl games there is no way that you will have john gruden on i think that is it completely done i think what he said there was no ambiguity about those things despite Mm. what he wanted to say about um about d that that was we know we know exactly what that language what that language meant his players will not want him anywhere near them. Players will not want to want to speak to him. He is done. Absolutely done. Yeah, I figured he was from after the first round of, of emails had broken and, and he was, as you say, downplaying it, rolled out the classic card. I don't have a racist bone in my body, but you could, I sensed it. And I talked to Carlson about it on the Monday show and Carlson thought, at the time, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he will ride through it. He'll be okay. Because he'd seemed to have done the press, said his thing, spoke to the team and all right, let's move on now. And of course that's what he'd hoped. And it was a long time ago. So, so that's a, a justifiable mm. uh, response. But Yannick Ngonkwe refused to comment about it to when media are asking him and you're thinking, there is no way that that locker room isn't at best divided, yeah. let alone lost. So even if nothing else had emerged, the idea that Gruden could have continued to lead that team, I think, was uh, was sketchy at best. Uh, interim head coach for the Raiders, a special teams head coach, a long-standing coach in the league, uh, Rich Bisakia, um, who presumably Ben will be the caretaker for the rest of the season. Sure. Can you see them? Making- uh, no, I think he'll. Uh, he's a, he's a respected figure. He's not someone I think who is kind of permanent head coach material, although. Let's see how this season goes. They've got right. a talented roster and they've started well. Let's not forget they started three and zero. I I think they will they will give him the rest of the season because he is a well respected, well liked guy within that organization. That it's someone who people will warm to, people will people will trust. So I think he'll be there all year. 
it's a good gig long-term Vegas, of course, you know, an organization with, with a huge amount of history. You've outlined very eruditely the progressive nature of the franchise in, even in the context of the all new NFL, it absolutely is a good place to be. There's clearly a, a huge fan base there, talent. And I feel for the, t- I feel for the players right now as well, because they only get X number of shots at going all the way. And as you say, the season started so brightly and it's turned on its head in the space of, uh, in the space of a week, but long-term it's a good gig. So there are going to be no shortage of suitors that, that want the spot. And yeah, Urban guess- Meyer will be available soon. Urban Meyer is going to be available. <laughs> they they also I, I look at the positives for Vegas. Well, you know, I'm assuming you're you're thinking as well. The season now is is pretty much written off. It, it's still a long way to go, but it would or will it galvanize them? Will there be because uh, there is talent in the roster? So I wonder if it will work to to bring them together and maybe go on a bit of a run. I think they're going to be a tough out. I think they will continue to be. Um, you know, they they've lost they've lost two in a row, but those were. You know, if you look at those games, I don't think they were kind of completely outclassed. The Chargers are good. You know, the Chargers beat them. The Chargers are good. They've they've got exactly they've got a tough division. So it was always going to be uphill getting getting out of that division right right now. But it's it's a it's a it's a roster that has got plenty of talent. It's Mm. a job that I mean, really, any NFL head coaching job is sought after. And you know, there's only 32 of them. But the Raiders have everything, everything in place. You know, that stadium is magnificent. They don't need to worry about, oh, are we going to be able to fill this stadium? That's easy. It's a, someone is going to come in next season. I mean, you know, unless, unless the interim is a huge success, someone's going to come in next season and maybe they'll have a quarterback situation to fix. Maybe not. And they'll be good next year. And I think it will galvanize them. I think they're going to be tough all season. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs simply because I think it's too hard a road. Mm. But this is, this is not a franchise in disarray. This is a franchise that needs a new head coach. And I think there's, there's a difference. There are franchises in disarray in the NFL. And I don't think the Raiders are one of them. And if you're a Raiders fan who thinks like, oh, you know, wants to kind of throw in the towel, please don't. Your team is a lot of fun to watch and it's going to get, better a lot better i i think i think they're better off without gruden he's not impressed me on this on this second go round and he he is someone who i have liked in the past i think this team is going to be fine the strong opinions on gruden incidentally from uh firing from all sides Keyshawn johnson who's never afraid of of uh, making a statement or two espn these days of course is where uh, Keyshawn plies his trade but um but knows Gruden well. He's always been a fraud to me, says Keyshawn. From day one, he's been a used car salesman. With apologies to the great Buddy Garrity, I think. Uh, <laughs> and people bought it because he inherited a championship team built by Tony Dungy and Rich McKay. Of course, uh, he's talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. Gruden's been removed from the Tampa Bay Bucks Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. He coached for uh, six or seven years and won a Super Bowl. But as Keyshawn uh, suggested, and I think a number of people have made this point down the road and Carlson certainly I think feels that feels this way. He, uh, he was handed that team on a plate uh, yep. and maybe uh, most damagingly for Gruden being dropped by sketches, Ben. Oh, I mean, I, how the hell, what was sketches thinking in the first place? <laughs> he's the guy in the ad campaigns. He's the, yeah, he's, he's, he's the guy that we associate our brand with. That is very strange. Not in terms of like, Oh, John Gruden, he's toxic. But what what are the parallels in brand values and image between Sketches and, and John Gruden, apart from like neither are cool? 
I, I who, <laughs> who sat, which, which smart cookie from that ad agency 18 months ago said, you know who we should get? I got an idea, guys. All right. Well, I just, I just, I just want to say this, right? So, yeah. yes, John Gruden, he did win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. His record there was barely over 500. He lost mm. a lot of games there. And it's not revisionist history to say that it was Tony Dungy's team and Keyshawn Johnson didn't need to come out and use such strong terms. The fact that he did suggests he's probably not the only right. buccaneer from that team who thinks it. Mm. And I think removing his name from the Bucks ring of honor speaks volumes about his, his toxicity, whatever the word is I'll going, going forward because the fact that they don't even want his name in the stadium mm. and he took them to a Super Bowl and they don't even want his name in the stadium. People are not going to want to touch him. And, you know, it's all this talk about Deshaun Watson. If if everything gets proved about Deshaun Watson and none of us can comment because none of us were there, if it all gets proved, he, you know, he's got big problems too. So there's no kind of what about so-and-so separate situations, but that that removal from the ring of honor, I thought that's that is so telling. Yeah, uh, well said. Let's um, let's move on to some. Let's talk some football. For some actual football. Yes, match football. Let's lead off with the game of the weekend uh, between the teams ranked thirtieth and thirty first in overall team DVOA. Uh, can't wait to football outside. Can't wait. <laughs> I, I genuinely can't, can't wait. I genuinely can't wait. Well, you know what? We've talked about this many a time that matchups are, are not necessarily the the most an- exciting. Uh, and inviting on paper when the London games are announced, but often end up being pretty good games, right? And last week wasn't by any stretch of the imagination uh, the most fluent uh, and effective four quarters of football you will ever witness, but it was still pretty gripping. The Jets kept it close. We love games that that somehow the NFL manages to do this almost every time. Even if it's a two, three score game, well, they're still in it. They can still get back yep. in it. And that's exactly, of course, what happened last week. So look, Miami and Jacksonville were under no illusions to bad teams at the moment. Certainly the Jags are, are, are a bad team. The Dolphins are uh, underperforming and could still turn their season around, particularly if they kickstart it with a win on Sunday. Let's maybe start there. Let's start with what is going wrong for the Dolphins because... The quarterback situation is significant, but perhaps not decisive in the reason they're underperforming because we weren't convinced about Tua, Ben. And that's not a knock on Tua. It was, we're not sure we need to see more. He, it's not as if this was Josh Allen going down for the Bills or yeah, even, uh, uh, you know, even looking at something like Joe Burrow at the Bengals, right? This is a, a quarterback that has had a handful of games really in the NFL as far from the finished article and the, and the fall off to Jacoby Brissett is minimal. I think it, it's fair to say. So we can't stack up the Dolphins shortcomings this season solely at uh, the feet of the tour injury. So what else has gone wrong? Why are the Dolphins sitting here staring down the barrel? I have hated watching this Dolphins defense. I found it so frustrating so many missed tackles, so many examples of blown coverage, or so many, so many times where a, a cornerback should have at least batted the ball away and was in a was in a good position. It's like they're getting themselves in good positions and not executing. So I don't know if that's the game plan. The game plans are, are sound, but nobody's executing, or it's just been a lot of bad luck. I don't I don't think I don't think you play like this consistently 
and it be bad luck. The defense is giving giving the offense no help whatsoever, and that's not to take away from the offensive problems. There have been plenty, and I think but, I think that does work both ways. And you know, just to kind of jump around a little bit, so on on the offensive side, outside of tour, the ground game has been a big problem. As looking into this in more detail, and obviously Miles Gaskin is integral to that, and Gaskin is on the up. So after 12 snaps against the Colts, he had 37 last time. So he's, he's getting back to full fitness and he was catching a lot out of the backfield as well. 10 catches with 74 yards. He was averaging five a rush and that was against the number one ranked run defense in the NFL. A ground game for all kinds of reasons is integral to establishing the Dolphins just haven't been at the races at all. That I think that's an understated part of their problems and that's something if we're looking at a cause for optimism here with, with Miami turning around if Gaskin can stay fit they, they can clearly get a decent ground game going could be quite significant for both sides of the ball because they'll have the stronger possession the defense will be off the field for longer they'll obviously be more productive offensively anyway could be could be significant yeah I mean the thing is if you've got a young, inexperienced quarterback, and that's what Tua is in the NFL, if you don't give them a ground game, and we're, we're seeing this with the Jags as well, if you don't give them a ground game, it's very difficult for them to win games. Justin Fields is winning games in Chicago because he's got three good running backs there. Right. And even though the, the starting running back went down, they just plugged someone else in and just kept going and kept rolling. So... You need that guy there, and I don't feel I don't feel the Dolphins have a guy. You know, it, they haven't they haven't even got like a. It's not like oh they've got an inconsistent backfield. They just don't have a guy who they can just keep giving the ball to and take some pressure off, whether that's Tua or Brissett. Mm. The one of the just if you are a young quarterback, a rookie, or just an inexperienced guy, you want you want a, like a safety blanket. Like that might be a really reliable tight end who you know can get you eight yards when you need it. Often is, but that was that was you know Peyton Manning's first three seasons in the NFL. That, at least. Absolutely, and you need a running back who you can just rely on to to grind out those yards in those situations to stop it being put on your shoulders all the time. Yeah, and also ideally someone who can do a little bit of blocking back there as well. Someone who will be in that backfield and can give you a little bit more time, especially when the offensive line hasn't been great. And the Dolphins, the offensive line's been poor. The yeah, running that- game's been poor. The defense has been poor. They they are struggling. This is, I I think the Jags are a bad team, and we'll get to the Jags. I think the Dolphins are a struggling team who don't seem to know exactly what they want to do. I don't know how much support within the locker room the coaching staff have right now. I mean, this is an unbelievable turnaround. I've read a few articles suggesting this, that Flores has lost the locker room and no one's buying it, which is an improbable turnaround for me when you think of the hype that Miami had going into this season, the the absolute loving it's been for Flores pretty much since he took over. And I was reading one piece today. It was a local media piece in Miami suggesting, oh, maybe it's time for another Miami reboot. (laughs) Even at this age of overreaction, let's all all calm down a little bit. But it's an, an interesting argument you make that the defensive shortcomings which of course is very much Flores's bag is the the cause for concern. But I, I do think the thing they're fundamentally interlinked. Nevertheless, 
this is a, a defense that was absolutely shredded by the Bucks at the end of the game. And they held firm for a, a good chunk of it. And then Brady did his thing. The Bucks finished with 33 first downs, mm. total yardage of 558, eight of 11 on third down, no turnovers. I mean, and the Bucks might be amongst the strongest teams in the NFL, uh, certainly the strongest offenses in the NFL right now, but that is pretty slim pickings, but much easier place to bounce up against Jacksonville. <laughs> 20 straight losses now for for the Jags. And similarly to the situation in Vegas, they have a head coach that has potentially lost the locker room, right? Urban Meyer, and we talked about it a fair bit on the Monday show with Carlson, just a quick summary. If you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen it, of course, Urban Meyer didn't travel back with his team after defeat and was filmed on a smartphone uh, enjoying himself at a party late night um, after the defeat. Now, the reason that was particularly surprising and cause for consternation is that just doesn't happen. Coaches don't do that. They always travel back with. The well, team. I'm I'm only going to slightly just give you to give you a little bit of context. You are correct. In the NFL, this is an absolute no-no. However, this is something that Urban Meyer will have done a lot at Ohio State and at Florida because you will often let the team go back and you are going on recruiting trips at that point. Yeah, but come on. No, 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 I know. But this is what, to me, to me, it is indicative of the fact that he hasn't got his head around being head around, an NFL yeah. head coach. It's a, it's a good argument. It's a good argument. But in, you have to ask yourself, organizationally, why didn't someone step in, even if it's a lieutenant saying, mm, coach, not a great look, or because it must have been incredibly conspicuous that he wasn't traveling back. Totally. Why he, on earth was he allowed to do that? Because he, he was given, he was given the keys to the entire franchise. This was like, he, it's like he had all, he held all the cards. They really needed a big splashy hire. Yeah. And he was a big splashy hire and he could ask for anything. So he's got his handpicked staff and he's got total autonomy. There is no one. There is no one around him who's going to say, do you know what, coach? You shouldn't do this. In part because they are like him anyway. Like he yeah, had he's got a lot of a lot of his guys around him. It's, it's like the assistant we talked about on the show the other week that we caught briefly on Red. So going up to Vic. Fangio asking <laughs> Fangio to take his head up. Here's one for you, Ben. More awkward bit of late night bar slash club footage. Urban Meyer or Michael Gove? Oh boy. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Gove is more awkward simply mm. because like he was trying to get down with the kids. He yeah. was trying, he was trying like Meyer, at least whatever the hell he was doing was <laughs> fairly static. <laughs> Whereas he, Urban Meyer clearly loves college. I mean, that is a that is a classic college party. He was there with his Ohio State top on. You know, he wasn't even try. He wasn't incognito. He was at a. He was in a bar in Ohio. Put. He chose to put on an Ohio State top to draw attention to himself, so he could have fun with college students. Like to me, in a way, in a way, it's awkward. In a way, it isn't. This was a definite choice. Like with, with Gove, that was just weird. Super it's weird. Super weird. It's like the line in the West Wing when the Jimmy Smith's character, Matt Santos, is is trying to get momentum in the primaries. And one of the guys says, he's a guy you'd go and have a beer with. He's not a guy you'd vote for as president, right? <laughs> so, uh, like, Myers, a guy you'd have a beer with, but probably you don't want as your head coach. However, however, one more on this one. If the Jags were four and one 
when that footage came out? Would there be as much? Nope. Outrage? Nope. Nope. Right? No. It's 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 because people people feel like the Jags are bad, and that's partly due to Urban Meyer, not just this coaching, but the drafting. Like they took Travis Etienne in the first round. That was crazy. I really love well, Travis. I'm, unlucky as well. Oh yeah. Also, also unlucky. But don't that he's you don't need to draft Travis Etienne in the first round. That is wild. They shouldn't have done that. That was a waste. He's an NFL player, definitely. But you could have got someone else there. To me, that showed he was like, oh well, I've just got to get these players together because I liked them in college. Mm. Crazy. He's part of the reason that it's been a been such a disaster is he doesn't seem to get his head around the NFL. He'd said something about, oh, it's like playing Alabama every week. Well, yeah, you are getting, <laughs> you are getting Alabama every week. Think- he, he says he's got a goal, and this is like what he goes into. His game plan is 250-250. He wants to have 250 yards passing, 250 yards rushing. Are you kidding me, Urban Meyer? <laughs> Your goal is 250 yards rushing. Like, why? What? Like, you what cannot, decade are we in? You cannot tell me. <laughs> This guy understands how the NFL works. Well, this, let, let's drill down more on, we're talking about the off-the-field stuff, which is important. It's fundamental because, as we know, one of the significant parts of a head coaching gig in the NFL is the off-the-field stuff, is in the case where a head coach has at least influence, if not complete control of uh, personnel in the front office. That's that's a big part of it as well, It's the, a lot, of, which is often why we see a lot of very good coordinators step up in an interim capacity or first time head coach capacity and they're just not cut out for it. And it doesn't mean that they are uh, better or worse than the next guy. They're just not built for that head coaching role and they're stronger as a coordinator. They suit that better. So I get all of that side of it and the acclimatization and he, particularly because he's such a big name and successful name in college, why that side of it might be, they take a little bit more time to acclimatize, but on the field, he doesn't have... I think it's fair to say, Ben, a roster that is laden with <laughs> talent. So we didn't expect them to be particularly good. But why are they, with a few quarters of football, notwithstanding, so disparate? It, let's start with Trevor Lawrence, first of all. Let's frame it around him. Every rookie quarterback, as we know, as we always talk about, is not the finished article season one. Five games in, in a struggling side with all of these problems, expectations on his shoulders. How has he looked to you? To me, he's looked fine, just fine. And I don't think, you know, I think he's going to have a very good NFL career. And I think we'll look back on this rookie season as, oh, you know, he really had to go through some stuff there, you know, like, at least when when Peyton Manning was when Peyton Manning was a rookie on a on a bad team, the coaching situation was a bit better. That just it was it was easier for him. It's not like Lawrence is throwing back breaking interceptions. He's not costing them games. He's not missing throws all the time. He's not getting absolutely brutalized. He's he's missing some throws. He's making some throws. I would say he's been absolutely fine under the circumstances if you if he was if he was playing for say the bills right now or he was playing for the bucks or the packers one of these sorts of teams and he was playing as he is now i'd feel like oh i mean he's underachieving considering the players and the coaches he's got there but he's not mm-hmm. he's on the worst team in the nfl they were the worst team in the nfl last year that's how they got that first pick and they are continuing to be the worst team in the NFL. He does not have the supporting cast. The game plan seems 
weird. The play calling doesn't seem great. The situational uh, play calling has been atrocious. When he's had to do something, most of the time he's been able to get it done, mm. considering the lack of talent around him. So if you're a Jags fan and you are panicking about Trevor Lawrence, please don't. He'll have a different coach next year. And I think they'll go for a very different sort of approach and they'll get someone who will be able to nurture a young quarterback in the NFL. They've added to his weapons. He said the slim pickings around him. Uh, Anthony Miller, former Chicago Bear, of course. Was he a first round pick, second round pick? <sighs> High round pick anyway, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's see someone who had talent who didn't really, didn't really live up to it. Uh, the idea that he might have a second act that is really good with another team is not beyond the realms of, beyond the realms of possibility. But my word, I, if you're hanging your hopes on, I'm not saying the Jags are thinking, oh, there we go. Our problems are over. We've got Anthony Miller. Yeah. But he's a kind of complimentary piece. Yeah. 1600 odd yards, just shy of 1600 yards, 11 touchdowns in three seasons. So that kind of grounds it in. Um, Where's this? Uh, well, I guess Tua and whether Tua starts is a, a significant part of, of this game, or is it? I mean, going back to what I, my opener and what I said, I mean, is there that big? I, I think I think there is a hamstring injury, by the way, as well. That, so that's, saying, yeah, that's my worry. Yeah, the, Tua is traveling. Flores has said, I'd say he's moving in the right direction based on what I saw on Monday. Well, hopefully he's ready to go this week in practice and this week for the game. Brissett's got a hamstring injury, which again, if they're both a little bit... 60%, you know, then maybe they'll lean to it. Reed Sinnett is the third stringer on the, on the Dolphins roster. Uh, what, what can you tell us about? Please don't him? ask me. Please don't ask me. Boy, oh boy. Did he go to college? Was he a Reed Sinnett? We know <laughs> very little about Reed Sinnett. So, other he than may as well have done the Open University. San Diego he was at. San Diego College. Yeah, he, San, was, yeah, he, was, a, yeah. he was an Aztec. Um, he's not, I mean, I'm hoping for the sake of fans who've paid good money. I'm hoping that that's not the sort of quarterback that you're paying money to see. Um, oh, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, oh boy. It's like Cleo Lemon all over again. It's like the Cleo Lemon ball. Oh, wow. But uh, I, you know, like I hope Tua can play for various reasons. Number one, I think he can still be a star in the NFL and be nice to watch Trevor Lawrence against Tua. That's, that's something we would like to see. You know, that's, yeah, but if we, two is if two is fit, well, obviously is, two no. getting wheeled out for the PR value. And I know the Dolphins wouldn't do this, but I mean, no, and, and at fifty percent and just stinking the joint out, that would be abject. Yeah, and that, that's bad. That's bad for his development. So no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. The, the hope is that he's good to go because I'm not convinced Jacoby Brissett is good to go, mm-hmm. and I don't think they want to go third string. So I think one of these potentially injured first and second string guys are going to start. Yeah, and that's that's the worry. If you're a Jags fan. This is this is your chance now. Yeah. You get away from the the pressures of being at home. You get away from the pressure of being in a hostile uh, road environment. You get a relatively neutral site game. I know it's meant to be a Jaguars home game. We know how it's we know how it kind of how it turns out. A lot of Finns fans. I mean, if the Finns are exactly. supportive, but there'll be a lot of Jags fans as well. No, they will, but it won't feel like a home game no, for sure. the Jags just because there's lots of Jags logos around. There are a lot of Dolphins fans around, and I think there'll be there'll be a lot of people just. Rooting against the Jags, I think people have um, taken that up as a bit of a sport um, just to see things go badly now for Urban Meyer. I think whoever's got whoever's got a quarterback who can make plays on Sunday is going to win. And at the moment, if I had to say that, I'd say it would be the Jags. And that that is a, I didn't think I'd expect to be saying that. I am meant to be having a sit down with 
uh, Coach Flores on Friday for the BBC. So I'll be sure to make that point to him, Ben, for you. Maybe I'll just play a bit of audio from the show just, just before <laughs> yeah. we... What, what should I ask Coach Flores, Ben? If you have one question you want me to ask him, maybe away from the X's and O's. Oh, because I was going to say, why, why, why can't your defense tackle anymore? Probably not going to ask him that. Yeah, yeah. That's to me. That to me, that's it. That's or, that's like the oh, that's the that is the thing for him. I really like I really like him, and I hope he is a success. And I think he can be. Um, I whenever you know we when you mentioned earlier about kind of the like potential dissent and their stories in the local media. Generally, that is someone will have come out and said that off the record to a reporter. So it's easy to dismiss it. Be like, Oh, it's nonsense. No. Yeah. For someone sure. Someone will have said it, but it only needs yeah. one person. It only needs one, one disgruntled person. person. Look, one disgruntled exactly. receiver. You're always exactly. agent. I mean, you exactly. know, this, this stuff is, I mean, yeah, come I, on, I'm not looking away from Flores just because it's a bad stuff. No, I'm still a Flores fan. I'm still a Tua fan. The, the Dolphins are struggling. What they've got to not do is just be like, oh, oh let's Panic, just start all reset, over again. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. What do we know? What have we learned from the NFL forever? Certainly in the in, in the modern era, continuity usually wins out. I think uh, the Blake Bortles Jacksonville era is the outlier. Oh. <laughs> the outlier there. Uh, okay. Mind you, they weren't that far away from the Super Bowl, right? I, mean, I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, let's talk uh, about your Chicago Bears, as you suggested earlier on, a fast improving Chicago Bears. Things suddenly looking up after oh, ugly start to the season. Mm-hmm. You were worried we're going to be stuck with uh, Andy Dalton with respect to Dalton. And I mean that genuinely. Uh, had Andy Dalton's the best backup in the NFL right now. Best backup in the NFL. He's had a solid career. So let's just stop the Dalton hate for a moment. But you, I get it. You get it. Fields, exciting new and already in the three or four games that he is featured in significantly, he's getting stronger and stronger, not least for the reasons you outlined and this ground game. So David Montgomery goes down and Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams step up and it is suddenly a really balanced offense. Although, and here's my first question for you on this. And I hesitated then when I said balanced offense because his longest completion against Vegas was 18 yards. Mm -hmm. So is that the missing link at the moment that they need to let Fields air it out a bit more? Yeah, yes. You took the words out of my mouth. That is what I want to see. Now, they're trying to bring him along slowly. And a big difference between the first few weeks of the season and the last few weeks of the season is Matt Nagy is no longer calling the plays. (laughs) Bill Lazor is calling the plays. And frankly, if you have someone working with you whose name is Bill Lazor, let them do whatever they want because that name is absolutely badass. That's what Urban Meyer needs Bill Lazor around it to, tell oh, him to keep him on track. Bill Lazor would have been like, uh, "Get on the get on the plane, coach." Wouldn't even wouldn't even you know Bill you know Bill and there's a party. You want to come? He wouldn't even acknowledge the question of the invite. He'd just say, "Plane now." Yeah. <laughs> you need it. you need a Bill Lazor. And thankfully, Matt Nagy has handed the offensive play calling duties back to Bill Lazor. He did it briefly last season, and guess what? The offense looked a lot better, but Matt Nagy is a control freak, just like just like me, as I've discussed with producer Ollie before we went uh, before we started right. recording. Um, producer Ollie is a control freak as well. Oh well, he said the same about you. But yeah. Matt, Matt Nagy, this was a this was a big thing for him to let someone else uh, call the plays. Mm. And the thing is, Matt Nagy always feels he's the cleverest guy in the room, and he isn't. And it might be that Bill Lazor is, and will devise a game plan based on the strengths of the players around him rather than trying to be just too smart. I so, think respect to, to Nagy, and I know he's under fire here. And I mean, we talked about it on this show that the great Dan Olofsky, friend of the show, Dan Olofsky, and he's got a brilliant pod at the moment, actually, with uh, Scott Pioli, which is uh, worth checking out. 
which is called Tapehead. So go and check out Tapehead. Mm-hmm. Really good, really good X's and O's analysis. And he was damning uh, and has been a vocal uh, critic of Matt Nagy for a, a long time. I think, and I understand why, and I think it was pretty fair game what he was saying. And to simplify it, <laughs> simplified in, in remarkably, he was saying that it was as if they hadn't ever considered building an offense around Justin Fields before the moment that he was yeah. on the field, yeah. which, which is, which is fair, but respect to Nagy, I think, because he has given up that responsibility. He is a strong enough leader to know that, all right, I'm, this isn't going right. I need to get a different perspective. It doesn't, it's not. Oh, oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, as, as, as a, a credible head coach. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather the, when um, the, the week before, um, when Justin Fields got his first official win as a starter, yeah, um, he made a point. Someone had said, "Oh, Bill Lazor was calling the plays, right?" And he had to make a point of like, "Everything goes through me. Everything goes through me." Mm, that's it's right. Like, okay, just just chill, just enjoy the win. Because the thing is, is that if the team is winning and Bill Lazor is doing well, yeah. nobody's saying, "Oh, fire Matt Nagy." Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're set. But yes, he was man enough to accept that. Okay, someone else needs to do this. For it to improve and it has improved and of course Matt Nagy is going to oversee everything that's what a head coach does but he's no longer micromanaging and Bill Lazor is laser focused nice. on bringing the best out of Justin Fields but he's doing it slowly they're not having him take those deep shots and we know that he can we know he can throw the ball just anywhere he wants and I think that will come the receivers are decent in Chicago obviously Alan Robinson is elite and has made some great catches this season and Darnell Mooney is a very nice number two, but there's there's not enough there and they're clearly worried. Khalil Khalil Herbert, right? I, you know, I'm I'm here as like the college genius and draft guru. Okay, if you say so yourself. Yeah, exactly. Here's where I will hold my hands up. When the Bears drafted Khalil Herbert on day three of the NFL draft in a Bears WhatsApp group I was in, and I went back and checked that I'd said this because I was sure I did. No one else remembered it, but I went back and checked. I said. Waste of a pick won't make the roster. <laughs> so I, I am like like Matt Nagy, prepared to like hand over the play conditions. I am fully prepared to accept that I'm not going to get it right every single time. I respect the fact you like you are like Matt Nagy in that respect, and, and it, it reminds me of going into last year's draft. And this is the classic thing of NFL broadcasters, journalists who don't watch as much college as they think they do, mm-hmm. and then suddenly have. <laughs> An in-depth takes on all of the players coming out. I try and avoid that trap, as long-time listeners will know. I try and defer to your judgment and the judgment of those brilliant minds who are watching college football routinely and have a deep grasp of what is going on. I'm pretty sure I wrote off Justin Herbert. Well, <laughs> I did. So I just I will hold my hands up as yeah. well on the defensive side of the ball uh, for the Bears. Interesting how. They are one of these teams that is generating a lot of pass rush without blitzing. Mm. And they're leading the NFL, Ben, with 18 sacks. So that is a, a nice balance to have when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? Because if you can get pressure on Rodgers without needing to blitz, that's probably a good thing against one of the all-time yeah. great quarterbacks. It might be the only it might be the only chance they've got of beating him. Now, here's something also I didn't expect to be saying. I'm putting a lot of this on Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn has been such an exp- expensive disappointment for the Bears that my expectations for him this year were just so low, they were non-existent. And he has become 
a very, very consistent performer, just easily getting pressure, pressure all the time, which just opens things up for Khalil Mack, who is, I don't know if I want to say back to his best, but he is playing really, really well. But that's because of, that's because of Quinn. Right. In the same way, when, when Mack has been at his best, it's usually been because Akeem Hicks is just devouring blockers and Mack is able to get free. Robert Quinn is doing this and Akeem, Akeem Hicks isn't even, isn't even playing at the moment due to an injury. If he's playing as well, mm. then that is, they've got such a formidable pass rush that they're able to put on without using the linebackers, without having to go kind of like on some sort of jailbreak. If they, any team that can consistently get pressure on the quarterback without leaving the secondary exposed is going to do well. And it's no surprise mm. that over the last few weeks that has been happening for the Bears. How is that secondary looking? better like not not great but they have been so much better from the like from game one now game one was against the rams that's been by far the best team the bears have played this season and they got blown out and it was deserved and people felt like oh well this this proves that the bears are terrible i didn't read much into that i thought okay the bears who are probably quite average and are hopefully heading up have lost to a team that's a super bowl contender i'm not surprised and the secondary was torched in that game, mm. but they haven't been playing the Rams each week. Now, can Aaron Rodgers torch this secondary? Yes, he certainly can. Now, whether he will, will probably depend on Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. But the secondary has improved massively, but I still need to see a greater body of work. I, I need to see them against better, mm. better offenses. Because like, they, got, they got well beaten by the Browns, but that was like an all phases victory. They were just outplayed in every single way. And the offense was so bad that the, the, the Browns offense just kept having short fields, short fields, short fields. And mm. that, was, that, that was such a good performance from the Browns. But what it wasn't was just, right, we're just going to go deep and pick on this secondary. It was just everything they did went right. So I think the secondary at the moment is like a six out of 10. And frankly, I'd have taken that in week one. You got as well a, a good spot. You, the Bears, have a good spot in terms of facing the Packers right now because they're pretty banged up, right? Jair Alexander, mm. particularly notably defensively. Looking, I'm as you were talking, I was just racking up the injury report, and we're recording this Wednesday, right? So uh, difficult time to be precise about um, about who is going to be in or out. Although Jair Alexander, I think it certainly is the latter. But yeah, injuries, quite a deep injury report at the moment. So it could be a good spot for the Bears. If, irrespective of this game, because it is a tall order, as, as you've identified, because the Packers are rolling and, uh, and I think we expect them to be comfortably sitting in the playoffs and, and, and a real threat for, uh, for the NSC. What about the Bears? Is there an argument to be put that they could sneak in the back door of the playoffs? Yeah, I think there is. They've got the thing is they've got a really tough stretch of games coming up and they've got to, they've got to play, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and they will get exposed in some of those games. If they can win one of these really tough games, then that will that will make the end of season record that much better where the games are going to get a little bit easier. Like last year, this is a very much a flawed team. But they managed to sneak in last year. I think this year's team is better. The quarterback situation is certainly better. Justin Fields is better than Mitch Trubisky. Duh. Mm. Hot take. Hot take. And Andy Dalton, as I've said, I think he's the best backup 
uh, in the NFL. Is Foles the best third stringer in the NFL? He is the best third stringer. Um, a friend of mine in Dublin just bought his... Um, Nick Foles had a book. I didn't even realize he wrote a book. Just bought it for one euro. He's looking forward to, to reading that. He sent me <laughs> sent me a picture Amazing. today. So enjoy that one, Michael. Um, Nick Foles, I, I mean, I know that the Bears would like to move Nick Foles on. Um, and I'm sure Nick Foles would like to move on because he's he's not gonna he's not gonna see the he's not gonna see the field. I mean, is he Justin Fields, and that's as close as he's gonna get. Um, the Bears are a potential playoff team, not not necessarily because they are so good or so talented, but because it's easier to get in the playoff. And some of these quote unquote also rans are gonna have to get in behind the likes of the Packers yeah. and the and the Cardinals and the Cowboys. You know, these sort of these sort of teams, they're going to get in, they're going to uh, I'm going to say they're going to win the division. You'd expect that those three teams to win their divisions at, at this stage, but yeah, the bears can get in. And yeah. this is the, this is a building season for the bears. Like if you're a bears fan, you should have been going into this year thinking, okay, this is a dry run for next season. We want Justin Fields to get as many reps, as much experience as possible. Let's not break him and see what we can do in 2022. So mm. everything here is building to next season, a bit like mm. we were hoping for the dolphins. Let's move on quite. Let's move on to one of the games of the weekend. Chargers, Ravens. I cannot wait for this. Oh, yeah. Let's try and break this down because we are, uh, I want to get into um, a bit of Buffalo, Tennessee as well. So let's kind of rattle through some of the key points here. Firstly, as producer Ollie pointed out, because we know producer Ollie loves his stats, right? I mean, he is day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, Ben, just studying stats, pouring over charts and graphs and making sure he's giving <laughs> us up-to-date intel. Uh, I love this from producer Ollie. Lamar Jackson has 1,860 combined passing and rushing yards this season. That is more than 18 NFL teams. And I would like to see when a player is doing that and you're looking at team stats on nfl.com i'd like to see the player inserted in there yes <laughs> yes <laughs> great call put in there i think that's only fair um we have to look at this performance most recent performance in particular and outside of the eye test and and the obvious uh conclusions we're going to make from watching how it went down in the tail end of the third quarter and the whole of the fourth quarter against the Colts, underpinning it by numbers, right? He posted a 90.5 adjusted completion percentage and only threw two uncatchable passes in 43 attempts. PFFs with the stats there. Can we put to bed this ridiculous argument that Lamar Jackson is a run first quarterback and I'm still really skeptical about whether he can pass or not? How, what else does he need to do? Um, he needs to, he needs to do it pretty much all the time to shut up those people. Yeah. Because there will be those people who anytime a quarterback can run like Lamar Jackson can run. And you can see it with, you can see it with Michael Vick. You can see it with Randall Cunningham. It was always, they're always looking to knock the passing. Yeah, less we, so with uh, Josh Allen though, right? Surprise. Yeah. Oh, and I was, I was, I was, was going to go even further in the vault. I was going to say like Fran Tarkington used to run, right. run, run all the time. Nobody, nobody questioned his passing. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave the listeners. Let's draw their own conclusions. <laughs> why that is happening. Uh, but uh, look, I, I, okay. I, I get that there have been multiple examples in his in early and brilliant career to date where you can look at Lamar and, and inevitably in the context of those 
other great young quarterbacks around him and his passing ability hasn't stacked up to Mahomes. I mean, obviously that is the case. And if we look at the body of evidence, but there's a, let's bring it maybe towards Allen because in many ways they are, they're more similar players. We talked at length about the impact that Stefan Diggs had, not just on the collective offense and everything around, but obviously on Allen. It's no coincidence that that year on year progression was markedly down to the introduction of Allen. And we've discussed it many times on this show that, well, that's what the Ravens need to do. Now, of course, they drafted to that effect, but Rashad Bateman has been injured for much of the season. Hollywood Brown, who was brilliant in this game and uh, has uh, had some errant moments, but is starting to really emerge as, as maybe that kind of receiver, but hasn't been up, up to date. Got Mark Andrews, he's got that tight end comfort blanket. So the pieces are starting to come together. And, oh, guess what? Lamar is able to turn it up a notch. Isn't that really outside of the learning curve? Some might say the play calling as well, but isn't that what's been really missing for Lamar? He just doesn't have the same weapons that Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah, he, he doesn't. And part of the reason that players like Hollywood Brown look so good is when Lamar Jackson's made them look really good. Right. So I think sometimes it can be like, oh, well, you know, he's got, he's got like Hollywood Brown. It's like, yeah, the Hollywood Brown you're seeing in the highlights, that is a lot of that down to, down to Lamar. I think that against um like i think he's done it for most most points this season when he's when he's been playing well it's when he has been patient with the ball and i don't think he's just running mindlessly like he would do sometimes and make an incredible play but it felt like it really it wasn't the intelligent thing to do even if it worked out it wasn't it wasn't the right course of action really it seems like he's taking it's hard to describe because it's it's not like he's doing things slower, but it's like he's just taking that extra beat to make sure, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? And he seems to be making the right decisions more often than not. No, no quarterback makes the right decision every single time, but he seems to be doing that more than he did before. We know he's got the physical talents. We know how he runs the ball and we know how he passes the ball and we know he's a leader. Mm. I think he's now becoming more patient He's able to anticipate things better than he was. I was always happy with how he read the defense. I wasn't always 100%. He was on the same page as his receivers, and some of that might be down to the receivers. Mm -hmm. And maybe if it is down to the receivers, he's building in their weaknesses to what he's doing and needing them to do and where he's leading them with, their, with his passes. So I think his improved patience is what's going to take him up to that next level we're talking about someone who's former nfl mvp and right. he still doesn't get the respect he deserves ridiculous it's ridiculous and i really hope this is the season that shuts up uh, those haters once and for all uh, of course one of the key matchups is going to be the, the baltimore ground game led by lamar frankly which just underlines his brilliance up against the Chargers d that's a good d of course but that is where they're susceptible the run yeah, you can you can run on them that's it run on the charges so that's going to be interesting to see uh, whether they have any kind of answer uh, for that and, and how that uh, impacts the the uh, control of the clock and uh, and control of the ball and control of possession uh, Justin Herbert having a, a similarly excellent season tied for third in the league with 13 touchdown passes three come from behind wins as well they're in the top 10 in points scored yards gained third down conversion rate you name it they are up and Adam offensively so we're expecting a shootout uh, here have you got any strong feeling either way on who's going to take it oh i don't i don't i think that if you asked me once an hour 
through the course of today. Your flip-flop. Exactly. Here's another one for you then. And I'm going to wheel in the Buffalo-Tennessee game in here, which is Okay, which also is going to be fantastic. You get the call almost certainly by the end of the week, I think, from from Vegas, (laughs) giving you the head coaching gig for next season. And you will, like Gruden, have the front office responsibility as well, right? Okay, yeah. I mean, I think you are the front runner, frankly, Ben. Yeah, I'm, I, there, there has been a lot of scuttlebutt about that. Same, same hairdresser as the owners, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, low. So, you, and you can tear it all up and start again, right? So I know you and Derek Carr have previous, so obviously you're going to move on from here. <laughs> you could build any kind of offense you want and therefore pick any of these three quarterbacks. Who are you taking? Are you taking Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, or are you taking Josh Allen? Ooh. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I think I think I'm taking Justin Herbert. I think he is the most reliable of those. He's not the most exciting, but I think he's the most reliable. And I feel that he can he can drag an average an average offense forward more than the other two because the other two are going to be a bit more boom and bust mm. so i think i'm basically going for the safest choice i think justin Herbert's the safest choice and i'm trying to protect my my new job i like that caution uh conservative i would be the direct job as it go boom or bust and take both alan and jackson and just spell them and maybe I mean, that, have them on the field at the same time. That would be the real Raiders way of doing it. I think this is it. I'm thinking too much of a reboot. What I should be doing is thinking, what would Al Davis do? Yes. And he would, he would be do, like when, like when he had Marcus Allen drafted Bo Jackson, who said he didn't even want to play. Amazing. So, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd maybe have three linemen max and just have more receivers out there. And, and um, never punt. On fourth down, go for it every single time. Just clear up that extra roster spot for yeah. uh, another speedster receiver. Uh, yeah, or just see see what Bo Jackson's doing. See what yeah, get him back. Get him, he wheel him out. I mean, just for you know, just on you know, four or five snaps a game, he'd be fine. He probably would be. Probably would. He probably <laughs> would be. Uh, Buffalo, Tennessee. In Monday Night Football, was the other game I want to get a quick take on from you. Um, the Titans really are intriguing aren't they because all over the place defensively but interesting when you drill down it's only certain and quite integral but certain parts of the defense that is undoing them particularly the propensity to give up massive plays they're quite stout in certain phases of the game the red zone for example and and, and other areas they're not uh, completely ragbag, but then they'll give up a 60 yard play to Corey Davis and, you know, and, uh, and that's all she wrote. So Buffalo will be licking their chops here, but is there any danger? This might be a, a bit of a trap game and that Tennessee might run the bills a lot closer than people are expecting. Do you know what I think? And I'm, I'm not going to accuse you of disrespecting um, the Titans because I know that, you know, they're a good team, but even just the idea, like the Titans who have, who are clearly the best team in their division and are clearly going to win that division. I mean, they're the only team in the division that well, has more high bar. Let's no, <laughs> no, it's it. They're the only team in the division with more than one win. They have more <laughs> wins than everyone else in the AFC South put together. Classic. Again, it's a low bar. Um, but the idea that it's a trap game and I, that's, that's not, 
when you say it, it's not a comment really on the Titans. It's a comment on how good the Bills have been, right? Mm. That they have just been like a juggernaut. The the Titans have been weird on defense because when you think of a kind of um, a bend but don't break defense, it's usually you can drive on them, but you get into the red zone and they're going to stop you scoring a touchdown. It's going to be a field goal. And they've been doing a lot of that, except these big chunk plays, which can just kill you and just... you know, if a team is just scoring quickly, and it's not that you know everyone's scoring quickly on them, but you're right, these chunk plays, they need to cut that out. Because mm. if you cut that out, you can probably cut out about an extra like 10, 10 points allowed during the course of the season. Like they they don't even have, in terms of points, they don't even have the best defense in their division, which they should into you know, in, in right. that particular stat. Talent-wise, they do. I don't see them beating the Bills, and then that'll drop them to three and three. And I think there's going to be a lot of questions asked about are the Titans like, are they really a contender? Yes. They'll make the playoffs by default. They'll win that division, but can they be trusted to actually win a game? And I I just don't know. I don't out of all, out of all the teams that should be contenders and have got a winning record, the Titans are the ones that I'm just like, I just don't know. Mm. I don't know. And maybe they'll beat the bills and they'll, they'll shut me up and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But this this Bills team looks special, does it not? I mean, formidable. This is a, a stat that blew my mind. Uh, no team has scored more points than Buffalo or allowed fewer. And beyond that, and this is pro football reference with the data, obviously courtesy of, of Propo, uh, who just is the, is the king of all data. <laughs> yeah. Only five teams since the merger in 1970 have outscored their opponents by at least 108 points through the first five weeks. I mean, we often appropriate... Ooh, this is the most balanced side of the NFL. The Bills, the most balanced roster in the NFL, without yes. question. Yes, yeah, uh, and that is with honorable mention, of course, to to uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. But it, it, Buffalo right now are on point. I, like if you were, if you were gonna if you were gonna look at teams, how they're gonna be in the next, let's say, let's say eight years. Does any team in the NFL right now fill you with more confidence than the Buffalo Bills? If you had to put money on who's going to who's going to be the most which successful is interesting team. when all this talk uh, in the last 18, 24 months of oh the Chiefs are the next dynasty, they're the next Patriots, and let's not get carried away because I think you and I share this view. I know our producer old does. Carlson was uh, supporting it on Monday. The Chiefs are going to be fine. The Chiefs yes. are going to be probably in the championship game, maybe yeah. at the Super Bowl again. Let's just all calm down a bit about the Chiefs falling off a cliff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, they just ha- they just haven't clicked yet and they will click. They'll and be fine. Yes, they will. I, but I, I'm with you. I think that um, our friend Phoebe Schechter, who we were with uh, on Sunday on radio, and incidentally, uh, that game, the uh, Dolphins-Jags game, live on TalkSport 2 again this Sunday with Phoebe uh, and the crew. I'm uh, over on the BBC that day, so I won't be on uh, that one. But uh, if you are listening, driving, traveling, just prefer it on the radio. That's where you head. Otherwise, me, OCJ Bell, and I, Mike, on BBC 2 from 2 o'clock. Uh, Phoebe, of course, spent a lot of time at the Bills, and we often talk with her, don't we, about the... The continuity that has been maintained, going back to your earlier point, just keep the faith a little bit with the whole Flores project, but also just the progressive approach that McDermott seems to have running through that team. And I don't just mean in terms of play calling uh, and personnel selection, but just keeping patience and faith and having a clear identity and game plan and just telling everybody, let's stick with this, right? Let's not 
get carried away, which yeah. is the noise of flying around. He just seems to be the cool, calm head uh, and has his players' backs uh, and it's paying off. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. But I'm really fascinated with that Monday Night Football game because I think if, uh, as you say, if Tennessee can, and it's a big ask against this Buffalo offense, but if they can control the, the big breakout plays and keep that tight, control the clock with Henry, or at least make that a fair fight, then, because mm, I think Tannehill, as you well know, I feel he's amongst the more underrated players in, in the NFL. And I think that uh, that passing offense could start to could start to click, but it's a big ask against the number one defense in the league. Yeah, like, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not ruling out a Titans victory, and that's mm. like that that tells you everything you need to know about kind of how much respect I have for the Titans. I think the the Bills are top to bottom the best the best roster in the NFL right now, but the mm-hmm. Titans beating them would not be crazy. That's what we love. That's what we love about the NFL. It it absolutely guaranteed there are going to be surprises week on week that you didn't see coming and nobody called. And this could be one of those games. Incidentally, a number of games we didn't get into on this show, Propo and I will take care of on Edge Rush. So uh, between us, between the previous show and Edge Rush, we should have your backs covered for the majority of the week six slate but we're out of time this time around college day is dropping very soon as well so ben will be back keep your ears peeled i still don't know if we're allowed is that are we saying that is no, i i mean ears to the ground would be good but then again i don't know if you can ground. hear a podcast if your ears are on the ground but you've got yeah. to just just please be aware that college days is coming yeah, it's good college days. We like college days. Ben does some heavy lifting on that. And there are some good ones in the vault as well. So you want to go back and look at quarterbacks, wide receivers, heading to an NFL team near you. Check out college days in the vault. As I mentioned earlier, Iron Mike and our review show that dropped Monday. He's back every Monday. That's the Iron Mike slot. Um, we've got some brilliant guests coming your way over the course of the coming weeks. I hope to see a lot of you on Sunday at Spurs. And we hope to get a lot of you logging in, tuning in to us Monday for the Carlson Review Show to break down how it all went. I'm guessing a 70-point shootout, I'm hoping, Ben. Oh, well. Yeah. Mm. Come on. Mm. Maybe. Ending Maybe. Confident tone of voice. You can do the old day-to-day, just sum it up at a noise. Oh, oh, also, where, where are we going with Urban Meyer after the game? Good point. I'll speak to... Is China White still open? <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll reopen. <laughs> China White will reopen. <laughs> Hollywood's Romford. That's where we're heading. Let's do it. Uh, Look after yourself, bud. Yep, see you there. Great stuff from Ben. He wasn't kidding either. He will be out with Urban Meyer (laughs) late night at some bar somewhere. Maybe, maybe even dropping a bit of Ben Isaac's karaoke. I've sung karaoke with that man. And let me tell you, he nails it. He nails it. We're back with him, actually, with Ben. College days will be dropping later this week. We'll be looking at uh, some of the key defensive players in next year's draft. That's very much the focus of college days looking at players that will get uh, a nod high round uh, pick in the 2022 draft. So it could be heading to a team near you, certainly heading to the NFL very, very soon, as well as picking out two or three of the big games in college. So make sure you uh, check that out. And me and Propo, edge rush, always a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Just to want to give a big shout out to a few of you who've left reviews for us on over on Apple, uh, including Die. Love the shows, he says. You can't get enough of Nat and I and Mike. It makes you miss the Channel 4 Sunday night games. Old school, die. Love that. I really appreciate you sending that in as well. Uh, I and Mike's blue jacket, says Azzy. Um, 
<laughs> that's all that needs to be said actually i don't need to read the review we left just a great headline favorite headline as you really appreciate that uh all of you who've taken time to do that uh, and leave a review means a, a lot we read them all uh, uh we often mike often shares them with me on whatsapp particularly the ones that <laughs> mention him uh but it puts a smile on her face uh it helps us out as well in terms of spreading the word and the whole algorithm and that's what the data guys tell me so we really appreciate you taking time to let us know how you feel about the show at the nc show uh facebook instagram twitter for lots of extra content including videos from all the pods that we make out there so uh go and check that out as well all right we'll get out of here we'll see you next time bye for now Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia, but we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.